At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. So welcome in, everybody. It's the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pod. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest, and he is the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com. A little bit under the weather, as am I, Zach Kelberman. Zach, I know you've been battling a cold. I'm sure you've gotten your licks in on that sucker, and you will, you know, emerge victorious. But, bro... The uh, 3-0 and train came to a careening halt. <laughs> yeah. is I don't know. Maybe that's actually, um, you know, contradictory. But it ended today, dog. Your gut reaction. Well, I think that's a nice way to put it. I think the train came off the tracks completely, Chad. This team was out-coached, out-prepared, out-played, and out-classed in every phase of the game. Offense, defense, and specials. The only thing they did uh, kind of right was run the ball with Melvin Gordon. Javante had that impressive run. Uh, but the the passing offense was terrible. Pat Shermer went being back to being Pat Shermer. Vic went back to being the old Vic. There were special teams breakdowns. They were uninspired. They were non-creative. And I said this on, I believe it was Thursday's podcast. I said for a team like Baltimore, because the season really started now, Chad. You can fill up on beating the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets, but the regular season for Denver started today. And I was worried that when you have the coaching discrepancy between John Harbaugh, who's one of the best in the business, always has his team ready to go, and Vic Fangio, who's still kind of a a questionable asset on the sidelines, that was what I was worried about. Harbaugh had his team from the opening whistle ready to play, and they took it to Denver with more physicality, more ingenuity, and more passion to win this game. I thought this was a... Um, a throwback to last year in so many facets between the player execution or lack thereof. I mean, Simmons was terrible. Drew Locke was bad. Teddy was bad. The offensive line was bad. Garrett Bowles was terrible. They really did nothing right in today's game. And it's I'm not going to you know jump to conclusions. I see things in the comments like uh, Cortland Sutton's washed. I, I wouldn't go that far. I know it's a tough loss, but um, this was kind of a wake-up call 
It was never going to be a 17-0 and season. It was more than likely never going to be a Super Bowl-type season. The Broncos have a lot of work to do because when you pit them against a playoff-caliber team like the Baltimore Ravens that can match their physicality, match their offensive uh, output, and match their defensive tenacity, you saw what happened today. I thought it was uh, unsurprising, but definitely deflating. You know, the turning point <clears throat> to me where you could palpably just – feel the shift right was when Garrett Bowles got put on skates uh what is that dude's name now Tyus Bowser the guy's Thank an you, animal Bowser goodness gracious me Garrett Bowles looked like you know he was a, he was at the Whirlybird or something right on roller skates having himself a, a, a freaking day that's where things changed they got the sack Ravens came back a couple plays later boom over the top that kind of busted coverage and people want to, in that particular situation, crucify Justin Simmons for that deep score to uh, Brown. And, you know, without knowing specifically the play calls, Zach, we can't know for sure exactly whose responsibility was busted there. But it looked to me they were in a two-deep shell pre-snap. It looked like Justin Simmons, even though it appeared like he got turned around, he turned around and let him kind of funnel that way because he expected Kareem Jackson to be deep. And Kareem Jackson was deep-ish. So Kareem either completely underestimated the speed of, of Brown or just botched his assignment. But from there, Zach, it was the floodgates. I mean, it was the sack. Then that was the floodgates. And the, the Ravens never really looked back. And, of course, Teddy gets his bell rung. And uh, when Drew comes in by that point, and this is not me, Zach, trying to make excuses for Drew Locke because he didn't play well today by any stretch. But his guys, man, they were like eyes on the floor. You know, no, I mean, no one was looking each other in the eye. There was no juice. There was no energy. Right. It's like they had decided after that deep ball to Brown that, oh, yeah, I guess everyone was right. Like, you know, we're pretenders. I don't know. I'm trying to understand the psychology there. Well, first of all, how do you underestimate Brown's speed? That's the only thing he does well for the most part. It's like underestimating Tyreek Hill's speed. So when you, when you, operate with that mindset you're going to get beat also Simmons was constantly turned around like this he had no idea what he was doing in coverage and I've been saying this I've been beating this drum for a while on Kareem Jackson great hitter great guy in run support great guy in the locker room he is pretty bad in coverage he's late career Darian Stewart and he was a liability today it says a lot that Caden Stearns not Simmons and not Kareem Jackson was far and away the Broncos best safety it also speaks to the unpreparedness that Vic Fangio had. Also, his timeout uh, issues. Once again, he let time at the end of the, f the first half roll that, off the that clock. Dro that drove me nuts, dude. I, he's still not learning, Chad. That's 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 what happens when you're faced with a quality of opponent. When you pick on someone your own size, when you don't bully little kids, when you when you pick on an adult and the adult hits back, and you saw the coaching um, just getting so outclassed from John Harbaugh to Vic Fangio, uh, the defensive breakdowns, the offensive ineptitude, Pat Shermer, uninspiring play calling. I, I see that Locks are already getting the criticism for uh, this loss. It's a team-wide uh, blame game here. This is not just one player. This is the coaching staff. This is almost every single player that took the field today. It was a major letdown performance, and it should really shake up expectations for what the 2021 Broncos could be. Still a good team. Still a potential playoff contender, but I think they crashed back down to earth quite forcibly this afternoon. Real quick, let's grab this from DH3. Appreciate you being with us, and then we're going to have to catch up quickly, Zach, on some super chats that are getting stacked up. 
Appreciate everybody's passion. We're, we're all feeling the uh, gut reaction tonight. We're, we're going to start getting to those one moment here. Uh, DH3, appreciate you. He says, before everyone goes in on lock, you're lying to yourself. Uh, if you think the team continue, you're lying to yourself. If it, the, if you think the team continued to play well when Teddy went down, Locke's confidence was left behind in the summer, fellas. This ruined a QB. This this is ruined. I'm, I'm not sure what he's My saying, brain hurts. saying there at the end. But uh, here's the thing. Like, yeah, Locke didn't play well, Zach, but it it was really the fourth quarter where Locke's complete kind of the, the sloppy throws. They started coming out like the third quarter. I think that this team had still been zoned in and locked in pun intended they they could have maybe bounced back and given it a fight but and drew look i'll say one thing about drew i like seeing him out there doing this stuff and like getting after people but you wonder zach how much how the uh efficacy of that when now you're the backup coming in trying to rally everybody and they're all going oh concussion on teddy he'll be back next week you know this one's in the in the tank screw it let's go i don't know it just felt like a complete team collapse it felt like that because it was and you know the locks first snap he came in the game and he was sacked it reminded me of the preseason chad when the broncos offensive line was constantly surrendering pressure and playing better for teddy now that's not to say they were playing well with teddy teddy was inaccurate he was not the quarterback we saw in the first three weeks do you know why because they didn't play the same level of opponent they were playing in the first three weeks um also Locke, i I, i'm not going to take credit for it james lofton on the cbs broadcast made a good point Locke has been running the scout team since the summer ended. For the first four weeks of the regular season, he's been the distinct backup. He's had no first-team reps. Like you mentioned his confidence. You mentioned him being uh, kicked out in the dirt as the number two guy. So you saw that on the back shoulder fade of Cortland Sutton. That's a throw that Teddy would make because he had the time to get that chemistry down with Cortland. Drew doesn't have that because he's been sitting on the bench. He's been rusty. He's been cold. And that's what you you know, you know saw come out on the watch today. I'm not putting this on lock. He didn't play well. The interception in the red zone toward the end of the game was uh, unexcusable considering off his back foot, once again, the same type of lock mechanical issues we've seen the first three years. But it's not one person. It's not even five or 10 or 15 people. It was almost the entire team and every single coach on the roster. It was a bad with a capital B performance from Denver today. Real quick, we'll grab this one from Joshua. Handle some matters of business. Dive right back into the chat. Appreciate that super, my brother. He says, uh, abandon the run. No play action with Teddy. He isn't Aaron Rodgers. Quit calling an offense like he is. Tom McMahon has to go. It's critical at this point. I mean, we've been saying that for a long time, right? This is a trope that unfortunately persists and keeps rearing its ugly head. Vic Fangio says, you know, we are committed to improving our special teams. But here's the thing. 3-0, 3-0, and now they're 3-1. and It's not the end of the world, right. all right? Vic Fangio, as much as some of us might want the Denver Broncos to, you know, uh, have a scapegoat, at least one head roll after this, it ain't going to happen. Vic, after all this, Zach isn't going to fire Tom McMahon after week four. He, he's never going to fire him. I mean, it's it's every single week it's the same story, and we all know how the story ends. The special teams has it collapsed, and the only thing they do well is kick field goals and occasionally boom big punts with Sam Martin. But he's not going to make any changes. Like you said, they're still 3-1. and one. There's a lot of season left. Um, some of us, I know it was Bob Morris and I dying on this hill alone in the, in the roundtable predictions. Some of us thought this wasn't going to be an easy game for Denver because it wasn't – 
what we saw the first three weeks was not the true picture of what the Broncos could be or will be. This was a measuring stick, Chad, game for the Broncos, and they came up very, very short. It's not to say the season's over, not anything close to that 3 and one we would all take that. We would all sign up for that before the season if we said the Broncos would be 3-1 and one after the first quarter. But they can't let this sit with them. They have to regroup, bury the film, move on, get ready for Pittsburgh, and go forward. That's a beatable team. They still have beatable teams on their schedule, and they have to play better football overall, better coach football overall. If they can do that, we'll see more victories. If not, could be a long season. More to get to, guys. There is so much to address this evening listen up broncos country tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever tick pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the huddle up podcast and the blue wire network denver broncos football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find broncos tickets anymore because tick pick that's t-i-c-k P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos ticket. We were originally planning on doing the drawing for the Facebook Justin Simmons jersey and the YouTube Super Chat Justin Simmons jersey tonight. But being under the weather myself, Zach being under the weather, we're going to do that tomorrow night. All right, we're going to lick our wounds tonight, tomorrow. Make sure you're here. We're going to do the drawing. It's going to be a lot of fun. But here is what uh, you can expect for October. Same goal, 250,000 stars. We're going to raffle off a Patrick Sertan jersey. And fingers crossed, Zach, that everything's okay on him. As we go live, one of the downsides to the gut reaction being immediately following the game is we are not hearing what Vic Fangio had to say. So if you guys hear anything on that front, I doubt you'll hear anything tonight. If we hear anything, it'll be tomorrow. But let us know in the chat. But here's who... uh, is ranked at the top so far on the on the uh, October Pat Sertan jersey. Lawrence Rivera at the top, Mike Ronquillo, Travis Weber, Andrew Baker of Michaela, the Duchess, Gary Leeds Palmer, James Grossman, uh, Peter Middleton, David Wilder, and Dave Glassman. That's your top 10. And, of course, the people in the running for the jersey at the end of the month are those who contributed to the gold, just like the previous month and the one before that. We appreciate you guys. Hang tight on that. Tomorrow we will do a reconciliation, make sure we have our winner for September, and then dive fully into October. But the, the contest is running. That includes Facebook and YouTube. All right, Zach, let me uh, let me grab here um, Shulier jumping in. Good to see Shulier in the house. Appreciate that. In New York, so I can't stay for the show, but the receivers and tight ends didn't seem like they wanted to play today. Also, I think Glasgow and Reisner – his uh, the comment cuts off are more important than we thought. No, I don't know. To me, Zach, and this is upon first blush, right? I've only watched the game one time and it was live on the television broadcast. I haven't watched the film, but it felt like to me, most of the pressure was interior or uh, pardon me, uh, was from the tackles, specifically Garrett Bowles, dude. Like you want to be careful again. It's so early in the season, 
jumping to conclusions, utilize, you know, throwing absolutes out there, Zach, but Garrett Bowles, man, is not looking good in his fifth year after the Broncos paid him. He's nowhere near the sieve that he had been in terms of like constant vulnerability. You never know when the flags come and you never know when he's going to tackle someone or give up a sack, but he got one of those holding fouls today, gave up a lot of pressure in a in sack. I don't know what's going on with Bulls, Zach, but at what point does it become a DEFCON crisis? Well, that's what, you know, like for BNS out there, for example, everyone trying to give Bulls his flowers. I was like, okay, let him play one season after last season and see if it's a trend or see if it's an outlier. And so far, it seems like it's veering toward outlier. I hope not, but he was pretty downright terrible today. Bobby Massey, too, for that matter. Um, And Quinn Miners. He had a false start. He was a little shaky. They do miss their starting five, but when you have that many injuries, Chad, both your starting guards, your starting quarterback goes down, uh, you lose Deontay Spencer at receiver. I mean, it's tough to win with those circumstances, uh, but I believe uh, the, 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 the edge pressure, the edge protection has to get better, or else it's not going to matter who's back there, because Teddy, when he was in the game, people are acting like Locke played this entire game. Teddy played a chunk of it, and he was constantly under duress. His helmet was loose again. He was getting hit left and right. He was shaken up. That Baltimore defense was gunning for him, and the Broncos offensive line did not hold up very well. So it's not going to matter who's back there. If Garrett Bowles goes back to playing like the pre-2020 Garrett Bowles, it'll be a long, long season. Smith Corona, what's good? Longtime superstar saying, uninspired football equals bad coaching. Locke is not a capable backup for this team and should be replaced our first real competition and it couldn't have gone much worse. Yeah. It's really weird because on the surface, Zach, it would be really easy to pile on drew because he didn't look great, but at the same time, it's, you're not sure where, which path to kind of go down. This could be one of those scenarios, Zach, where more than one thing is true at once. And that is drew wasn't good. His supporting cast wasn't good. In fact, the offensive line, terrible the receivers I concur with the previous super chat just not zoned in like I don't know what it was because it felt that way Zach before Teddy was officially ruled out coming out of uh, before halftime right I'm telling you the turning point was that sack yeah a couple plays later the deep ball and from there it was like the Broncos skill position guys with the exception of the running backs although they didn't get perhaps as much work as you'd prefer because they were playing from behind that was the turning point, and nobody really seemed like they wanted to win a football game today. But Smith Corona is a spot on here. Uninspiring football, lack of passion, lack of tenacity comes from the coaching staff. And they took on the embodiment of what Vic Fangio is. He's a stoic coach. He stands there. Um, he observes. He doesn't get fired up. He doesn't get in people's faces. And who, for that matter, on the Broncos roster is like that? They don't have a Derek Wolf who's constantly, you know, firing up the team. They don't have a quarterback in Teddy or Locke, for that matter, who's the rah-rah type that has respect of the locker room. So if they look to the coaching staff for their passion, they look to the coaching staff for their motivation, they're going to come up short in, in days like today when, like, I think you said it best, the Marquise Brown touchdown totally deflated the Broncos. They came out hot, Chad. They took the lead. They marched down the field. The defense was playing inspired. And that touchdown happened, and it was, you felt the air get sucked out of the team. 
That's where you need the coach, though, to step in and and repair that and 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 keep from letting it spiral like it did. That's been my biggest concern with Vic Fangio. They take on his complexion, and his complexion is very passive. I like an active coach. I like a coach who's in people's faces, getting the team fired up. They don't have that, and it's unfortunate. Part of the problem, too, is they devised a uh, respectable plan as far as containing Lamar Jackson's wheels, but in so doing, they neutered the pass rush. I mean, they they could only really get to Lamar when they sent pressure. That's why Caden Stearns is the only guy that had sacks today. He had two, God bless him, but if you can't get pressure, and maybe that was the goal, maybe they just said, hey, look, Vaughn Malik on the edge, instead of turning it and trying to turn that corner and get to the queue, you know, present a plausible threat of a pass rush, but really you're trying to contain. And it's like, I mean, I don't know exactly what the what the game plan is. No one does except for the men that were on the field today. But, Zach, it was just ineffectual because Jackson was able to just sit back there and bong, bong. You know, it took him a minute to get into a groove, but not that long. Uh, Chris Hernandez, bona fide MHH Mount Rushmore superstar. Every time, it's always on game day anyway, a symbolic super chat. Seven bucks today. Thank you, bro. He says, outcoached and outplayed. Not as sad about the outcome as I am, though, about the injuries piling up. Zach, it's just one after another. I mean, again, it's like, how long can you withstand losing starters game in and game out? I mean, it's it's right. almost become a comedy, you know, and it, it's tragic. Nevertheless, I don't know what it is. Is it a tragedy or is it a comedy? But it's a comedy of injuries. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I actually saw on Twitter people were were starting to say, you know, I wonder about the Broncos training staff. I wonder about the Broncos strength and conditioning regimen. Is it is it something to be blamed for with these rash of injuries? I think it's more than coincidental. And I know that a concussion is not due to training. It's a it's a fluke type thing like Teddy had where it's part of the game, but when one player after another after another goes down, and most of those players have lower body injuries that are soft tissue injuries, you wonder what's going on there in Dove Valley. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. And you didn't get the flag because it was helmet-to-helmet contact on that Teddy hit that 
we're pretty sure is what rung his bell and gave him the concussion. I'll grab Aaron real quick. First, though, Malachi jumped in with a couple of supers. Uh, no direct comment that I could see or question, but Malachi Smith, thank you for the support, my friend. Uh, big A, little A, R-O-N, Lynch, in the house. Appreciate you, bro. He says, talent for days, yeah. <laughs> coaching great. for minutes. Yes, indeed. It's Today, true. once again, you saw all the shortcomings and limitations of this coaching staff laid bare. Well, stack it up, Chad. It's easy to look good when you're compared to Robert Salah, a rookie head coach, Urban Meyer, who, by the way, his escapades last night at a bar. I'm not going to get into it. I thought he's become a new meme now. It's easy to look good compared to him. It's easy to look good compared to Joe Judge. But when you face a coach like John Harbaugh or Mike Tomlin next week or even John Gruden the week after, the weeks to come, you start to get exposed because you don't you can't lean on the talent. You have to win with your coaching. And Vic Fangio came up very, very short today, both in having the team ready and having the team inspired, and also, again, the clock management issues. Every single red flag that Vic Fangio has possessed, I'm not talking about the challenge flag. I mean, red flags about his coaching style since 2019. Most of them have been at bay for the first four weeks. They came roaring through today. And that's part of the reason why the Broncos look so bad. Uh, you know, as as uh, Rello says here, hope to see a bounce back game next week. I'm right there with you. And if it if it comes, if it's going to happen, it wouldn't surprise me to see Drew Locke, if he plays, play well. Because the last time he was in Pittsburgh, he got that injury to the shoulder, you know, ended up missing a, a month and it kind of derailed the course of the season. But in the case of Drew, if you end up, he's going to take starter snaps all week because the soonest Teddy Bridgewater would even be able to practice if he's cleared from concussion protocol. We don't know the severity of this, which, by the way, a uh, rare moment where I'll share some some personal information. While we were uh, at the um, meet and greet last week, one of my kids had a little accident on a little, uh, what do you call those, a little one-wheel hoverboard thing, wasn't wearing his helmet, bonked his head on the asphalt, concussion. All right. That concussion, he's now a week into them suffering the injury. He's still experiencing moderate, I mean, minor symptoms, little things like you stand up too quick, you get dizzy or, you know, car rides upsetting your tummy or things still being right. These little things, they come, they flare. That's just a, a kid, you know, falling, hitting his head, not to say, not to make light of it, but we're not talking about a 300 pound defensive lineman clocking you in the chin right? Uh, like it looked like happened with Teddy Bridgewater. We don't know the severity, Zach, of Teddy's concussion is my point. Those symptoms may linger. And if they do linger, Drew Locke's starting next week. The soonest we would even know is going to be Friday. So let's see if a week of, part of of practice with the ones, as you mentioned, Zach, not running scout, actually run with the ones. You could tell they just were out of sync with Drew. They're not on the same page anymore, you know, and you understand why they've been uh, grafted in with Teddy. Teddy's the starter. And there just wasn't enough juice from the supporting cast, in my opinion, to really help Drew lift off today. I mean, if for those who, who out there who don't believe that's a factor of being rusty and being cold and going from backup to quarterback one, I mean, in the Niners game today, Garoppolo got hurt, Trey Lance came in, and the Niners were actually winning. And then they ended up losing the game because Trey Lance as talented as he is, just didn't have that chemistry and the continuity down with his, his supporting cast. So that's exactly what happened with Drew Locke today. And the thing about the NFL's concussion protocol, it's a multi-pronged protocol, and the last step he has to 
to clear is uh, an independent neurologist greenlighting him to return. I mean, like you said, Chad, it could take it down to Friday, and by that point, no practice the whole week, uh, no continuity with his, his receivers the entire week after missing an entire half. It could be the Drew Locke show next Sunday, and we just have to hope the Broncos have a better game plan against a tough opponent to hide what still Drew Locke is showing to be his biggest um, negatives. I mean, like you said, man, that pick at the end, I mean, what just a terrible way to punctuate a frustrating day at the office where you're coming in in relief of a starter. The problem is, hey, you don't have anything against a guy saying, hey, it's garbage time, we're on the five, I'm going to just chuck it up and hope we get something in the end zone. You got nothing to lose. But at the same time, Zach, the how is frustrating because a little bit of pressure, so he kind of drifts, drifts, drifts. Drew, when are you going to learn to step up instead of drift? Because when he drifts, that natural, I can win this with my arm thing, off the back foot, there goes the accuracy, there goes the velocity, there goes everything you need to complete that pass picked off. Craig Patterson, thank you for the very generous super chat, my friend. He says, this whole team played like hot garbage. Come for the uninspired play, stay for the bad coaching. Yeah, this was a, uh, Zach, a categorical team Failure today, everybody. I mean, everybody with just a small handful. You can count on one hand exceptions. I mean, you want to see, you know, uh, uh, points of bad coaching here. It wasn't the first time after the Marquise Brown touchdown that Simmons and or Kareem Jackson were matched one-on-one in coverage, and it happened multiple times. I, I saw Kareem at least three times get exposed in coverage. You have to ask yourself, if he that's not his strong suit, why is he in coverage? Why would you pay cornerbacks, and why would you draft one only to put Kareem Jackson one-on-one, even if it's zone? So I saw those things happening, Chad. The, no adjustments. I, I, and I agree with uh, uh, Merlo here. Uh, Sertan did get schooled. It wasn't a good game for Patrick Sertan, nor Kyle Fuller for that matter, who's been, you know, I'm kind of disappointing a little bit. I had very high hopes. Yeah, very high hopes for Kyle Fuller, but he's been beat more often than I would like to see. It was just, like you said, perfectly a categorical failure from the top to the bottom. It happens. I mean, every team usually once a year has these letdown games, these games they no-show. Let's hope this is the only one the Broncos have this season. Hey, shout out to Big Earn. Appreciate you being with us, my friend. Good to see you in the chat. Also, today's top senders, Randy. Uh, let us know when you get the hat, my friend. We want to see that selfie. We'll put it on MHH Instagram. Andrew Baker, what's good, bro? Claude, Travis Weber, you as well, and Michael. You three, Randy, Travis, Michael, your hats. Um, I sent you the tracking numbers. Once you get them, let us know. And uh, this is how the stars is shaping up for today. Really appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, Zach, let's, uh, let's grab Theron here. What's up, Theron? Appreciate you, bro. He says, nothing much here, guys. I felt it was over from the second quarter. The line struggled. Let's get them next week. Guys, here's the one thing I want. And thank you, Theron. Here's one thing I want you to entertain as a distinct possibility. This was just a bad day for your team. All right. Doesn't necessarily mean all of the old, uh, you know, specters of the past are coming back to haunt the team. It's all going to be a recapitulation of, you know, pick the year post Super Bowl 50. We don't know that yet. All right. Too many outliers as well. Guys going down, your starting quarterback going down. Just a weird confluence of, of events that all went in Denver's favor. And it's, you know, or uh, against Denver and Baltimore's favor. Broncos have no one to blame but themselves. I mean, it was really uninspired. And I feel you, Theron. It was the second quarter when Garrett Bowles got put on skates. I mean, just 
manhandled by Bowser. And then two play, three plays, whatever it was later, that deep shot. That was the turning point moment. And from there, Zach, it was a floodgate that opened. Yeah. You, know, you can even argue that misconnection down the sideline to Albert O, which should have been a touchdown, and he let the ball go through his hands. I felt like that was an ominous sign for this game. That was a play the Broncos were making in the first three weeks, and that was a play the Broncos really badly needed against a team like Baltimore, and they came up short. When they missed on that, and then, like you said, things snowball, the sacks, the injuries, the big touchdowns allowed. It just was a bad day at the office. It happens. Doesn't mean we have to like it or spin it. I saw people are accusing me of spinning. I'm spinning nothing here, but it's still only one game, and they're still 3-1. and one. Let's see how they respond to this. I'm actually encouraged, Chad. They got hit in the mouth today. They got knocked out. A true test of a potential playoff team is how they respond to this. So I want to see next week how they come out and play. We got one uh, from Drew. Good to see Drew. We uh, missed you at the meet and greet, bro. We were hoping to see you come waltzing over and hang out with us maybe next time. I know you don't live in Denver. It's all good. Hashtag state of being baby. But next time we want to see you. He says, this game was embarrassing. Locke and Teddy had absolutely no time. True. The secondary got beat repeatedly on deep balls. Fuller, Simmons, K-Jack. Uh, traffic cones would have giving, uh, given the cues better protection. Yeah, it was not good. But again, most of the pressure that I that is coming to me right now that I'm remembering from today's game on the first viewing was outside pressure coming from the tackles. Now, it's not to, that's not to exonerate Quinn Miners at left guard or Lloyd Cushenberry at center or Natani Muti at right guard because I'm sure they had some complicity. But it felt like to me, Zach, it was it was edge pressure. And you know what? That surprises me because your most experienced guys are at tackle. The only guy on that offensive line who has an accolade to hang their hat on is Garrett Bowles, an all-pro, second-team all-pro last year. Wasn't looking good today. Bobby Massey's the veteran of the of the entire offensive line. He wasn't great. He wasn't as bad as Bowles, Zach, but he wasn't good either. Until I see the film a little bit more and break it down, study it, I can't tell you exactly how Quinn Miners played and everybody inside, but it was – I mean, look, your quarterback got knocked out with a concussion – Wham bam plays happen, you know, sometimes that's gonna happen, but man, offensive line, we were concerned about this. Mile High Huddle's been screaming from high heaven about this offensive line throughout the three and zero start. Like we were the unfortunate, you know, um publication talking about the elephant, hey, elephant in the room pointing to the offensive line. Eric Trickle's been on that like a dog on a bone. Today it really came home to roost. Everything Drew's saying here is spot on. I thought Locke and Teddy were equally pretty bad today. They had no offensive line help. They had no help from the play calling on the sidelines uh, from Pat Shermer. The secondary, I mentioned Kyle Fuller. I mentioned Pat Sertan. I mentioned Kareem Jackson. I mentioned Simmons. The best player in the secondary, this star-studded secondary, no fly zone 2.0, quote-unquote, was a rookie in Caden Stearns. When that happens, that's not a, a, a great sign for your prospects in a game. It, it, but, you know, what could you really say? It wasn't one player. It wasn't the the way the ball broke one time. It wasn't one turnover of this and that, one penalty. It was everything. It was a perfect storm of crap. Best way to put it. <laughs> that reminds me almost of uh, Trailer Park Boys with Mr. Leahy's uh, constant utilization of the more coarse version of crap. Michael, thank you, bro. It's good to see you. And Greg Smith, appreciate you. Travis Weber says, of course, we always want to win but learn from it and hope coaches can do their jobs to get this team to play. <clears throat> Pardon me. 
It's like Zach that the Broncos started like believing their own press clippings on the whole three and O thing. And at the same time, they were just those insecurities of, you know, we're pretenders or the, or those ghosts that have haunted them post Super Bowl 50. They were just under the surface waiting for, you know, the right kind of adversity to, to rear its head. And then boom, they come crashing back and consume this entire team. That's what it felt like, because I'm telling you guys, you're seeing wide receivers jogging back to the huddle, looking at the floor, looking at the dirt, looking at the grass. That's not good. You want chins held high. You want guys still playing focused, high energy, listening to the quarterback. And look, Drew was not good. I'll say that again. All right. But he did not get help today, guys. Let's be honest. It would help if, if his maybe the offensive coordinator was not in the box. Maybe he'd be on the sideline and be able to talk and converse with his quarterbacks or with his players. Just something to get some energy going, something to flip the script. I understand it's tough losing your starting quarterback and already having all the injuries and, and, and going into halftime uh, with a deficit. But when you play that uninspired, Chad, when it's that evident, when you're looking at the floor, when you're not running back, when you're doing nothing, we were there last week. I mean, the it was a palpable difference in how the team played. I understand it's the Jets, but they were inspired. They were creative. They beat, they, did they beat the Titans today? Yes. I mean, any given Sunday, right? It's true, but, you know, it's just the way they played. It wasn't necessarily the opponent. It could have been the Jets or it could have been the Chiefs. It was the way yep. they came out and the way they performed. They had a game plan. They had a point of attack, and they executed it. There was no execution today at all, at all. Uh, real quick, let's grab Albert. <clears throat> Appreciate you, Albert. It was good seeing you today. Also in uh, Broncos Book Club, we finished off, uh, did uh, our little book club, Elway, A Relentless Life. We're moving on to Slow Getting Up, a book by Nate Jackson, former Broncos tight end, that kind of details the final days of the Mike Shanahan regime. Looking forward to that. And, yes, the, that was garbage from Shermer, Zach, which also ties into uh, Malachi's Super Chat. Appreciate you again, Malachi. He says, where did the running uh, running game go in the second half? Part of this, you can explain away, all right? Broncos dug themselves a hole. Let me look. Let me remind myself of what the score uh, looked like here. Let me go to playlist, oh, or pardon, let me go to uh, team. Yeah, I mean, it was a multi-score game coming out of halftime, right? It was 17-7. If I'm not mistaken, then 20, then 23. So you had a two score uh, deficit to overcome without your number one quarterback. I got to tell you, I was a little bit surprised those first few um, series that they were just throwing it, throwing it, throwing it with Drew, which on one hand you can interpret as, oh, it's a coaching staff that is, uh, <coughs> pardon me, more uh, confident in Drew Locke than maybe fans and media. At the other, on the other, I should say, you can say, hey, man, why weren't you trying to balance things out? Help Drew by presenting a plausible threat that, guess what? On this snap, we might run Ravens instead of drop back, drop back, drop back. A running game, Chad, is the quarterback's best friend. And when you have a running back like Melvin Gordon, who is averaging what? What what he finished with his yards per carry? It, Melvin, it ha- he, he went uh, 9 for 56, so he was north of 5 yards per uh, carry. And then you have Javante reeling off a run where he drags the defender 20 yards down the field. The Broncos acted like a 10-point deficit was a 100-point deficit. You didn't have to throw so often. Establish the run, keep the offense on the field, let the defense rest, and try to get something going. But that would require an offensive coordinator who has brains and foresight. 
And Pat Shermer has showed you, despite the last three weeks, to me that, that had been a mirage. He showed you last year who he was. He showed you today who he was. And it's time for Broncos country to believe him when he shows you who, we, who he is. Uh, here we have Big Daddy Kane. Good to see you, buddy. He says, everything you're saying I agree with, today wasn't our day. And you know what, guys? It could simply be boiled down to that. We don't know yet. That's why I made the comment on Twitter that, you know, so much knee-jerk and go around, going around right now in Broncos country, you're liable to knock your own teeth out. Be careful. Now, this could be the beginning of what is the end of the team for 2021. I don't think so. I think they'll battle back from this one way or another. But just like we've been telling you guys, all right, the 3-0 and start, who cares that it came against 0-9 teams? What it did is it bought you a window, bought you a little bit of cushion for, you know, when the going gets tough and you start playing a little bit higher caliber opponents, maybe things aren't going your way. It gives you time to kind of recalibrate and figure out, all right, we dominated three teams that were playing at an intensity level of this. Meanwhile, we're going against new, uh, new opponents that are intensity level of this. We got to kind of recalibrate what our intensity is going to be. That that cushion, you have it. So don't jump to conclusions quite yet. Don't completely go jumping off the cliff. There is plenty of time in what is now a 17-game season to keep this, this ship on track. There is, but here's the depressing part. Von Miller called this an early season playoff game. If that was a playoff game for Denver, that was embarrassing. And if they come out like that, if they do make the playoffs, it's going to be the same result no matter who they play. It is still one game. They're still 3-1. and one. They're still sitting pretty good, even in the division. Even though the Chiefs won today, they lost two in a row. They're still sitting decently good. But it could be a harbinger of what's to come if they don't adjust from this. This is a pivot point for the Broncos season. How they respond next week, how they come out next week, will tell us all we need to know about this year's outfit. All right, let me grab here uh, Sony, Jason, forever. Appreciate that. To be honest, I'm going to agree with Zach on this one with Teddy. He's not looking like he can compete with a playoff caliber defense. He looked flushed, and then it cuts off here, but then he goes on to say, and Locke uh, definitely isn't the answer. You know, I didn't really get that read on Teddy. I mean, Teddy, if given the chance, I don't – I think this team would have been far more um, likely to have bounced back and kind of – snapped out of their little rain cloud moment that ended up stretching through half of the second quarter and all of the second half. If Teddy would have stayed on the field and doesn't get that concussion, Zach, there's a good chance the Broncos come back and make that interesting. But I think part of that slumpish rain cloud over their head was, oh man, we lost our guy. There's no way we're going to win this. You know, that belief left, you know, just oozed out of their pores, evaporated like that. Listen, the Chiefs lost Mahomes against the Broncos, and they beat them with Matt Moore. It really doesn't matter if you lose one player, even if it's the quarterback. If you have the coaching and the wherewithal and the tenacity for the game, you'll be able to either compete or win. I don't want to hear about that. And Teddy, you know, uh, he had impressed me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I saw it in person at the Jets game last week. I I watched him the first three weeks. He has been a breath of fresh air quarterback for Denver, relatively speaking. But he came out today, and minus that throw to Alberto that should have been a touchdown, he was inaccurate. I I agree, he was flushed. He was... Not the same level-headed, steady Teddy like we've seen. He tried changing gloves, and there was no... 
There was no difference in the gloves. It was it was a different color. I mean, if you're resorting to something like that, that speaks volumes about your unpreparedness to play a team like Baltimore. And they took it to Denver, and Denver had no response. One more point. I mentioned this to some of you guys in person. I mentioned this on the pod. The Broncos have never been to the season to this point faced with a deficit. And I, I wondered... Can this team, are they good enough with Teddy or any other quarterback when they go down 7, 10, 17 points, can they come back? It's easy to beat a team like the Jets when you're constantly in a lead, but when you fall behind and the onus falls on you and the pressure comes at you, how do you respond to that? And they saw it today, and it shook out horribly. Drew jumping in again. Thank you, brother. He says, Caden Stearns and Bryce Callahan were our best DBs today. Coaching, coaching, coaching. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Pat Sertan. He looked like they. He looked like a rookie, and he is a rookie. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I think you're going to see that with, with, I mean, he, you got to remember Pat Sertan is a rookie. You're going to see this, what, what you want to, what you hope to see on the peaks and valleys, Zach, is that when they are peaking, that those peaks sustain a little bit longer and that the valleys are very short lived. So health willing, let's hope he's back this week. And that that was, you know, it's not like he was completely clowned and, you know, abused today, but gave up a way too many slants underneath. Like you just got to be, a little more dialed into understanding how an opponent is going to attack you in specific down and distance situations. And the Ravens understood that they have a coach in Greg Roman who could, by the way, could be a Broncos head coaching candidate next off season. They had a coaching staff that had a game plan and they had enough competency to identify the weaknesses in the Broncos defense and Pat Sertan, who to this point has looked like a pro bowler at cornerback. But they picked on him, and they knew what to do to expose his weaknesses, and they did just that, and they worked it and worked it and worked it. They knew the Broncos in coverage with Simmons and Kareem Jackson could yield a long pass, and sure enough, the Brown touchdown happened. That's what happens, Chad, when you have a good coaching staff that goes above and beyond, and that's also what happens to Denver when you face a good coaching staff, and Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, Tom McMahon have no answer and and no uh, level of competitiveness. Jay Fig in the house. What's up, bro? Good to see you. He says, Pat Shermer is terrible. 
Yeah, well, he he did get thrown a uh, pretty raw deal today in terms of you know losing your cue like that. But yes, tactically, many questionable. Much to question, let's just say, about Pat's body of work today. Corey H. jumping in as well. Thank you, Corey. I'm going to flash this and then read it from um, YouTube because it cuts off here. Corey says, I know I'm a broken record, but this is who Teddy and Drew have been. Yes, if they get perfect protection, they look serviceable. They're not going to beat good teams. They're horrible. Um, This is a – you know I love you, Corey, for real. But this is just your – and that's what the gut reaction is here for, guys. I mean, it's for you and us. All right. We're not uh, immune to this. The gut reaction is to feel the feel and live those emotions, whether it's triumph after a big win or disappointment after a loss. All right. We feel you on that. But just like we're trying to do, both as analysts and fans, is let's not let's try and be as balanced as we possibly can. Your Broncos gave you three and zero start. Does that not earn them a little bit benefit of the doubt? I mean, just a little. I know the previous five years have been, I mean, we know, but just a little bit of benefit of the doubt, especially on Teddy. I get if that's how you're going to feel about Drew, we understand it. That's, you know, feels like that's a, a body that's been buried and it's over, but it doesn't appear that it is because he's he's back in the starting lineup, Zach. Just like that fan who told you he ran into him, you should tell that story. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually, I forgot about that. Yeah, someone uh, reached out to me on Twitter. I, I'm sorry, I'm a little under the weather, so my brain's not at full capacity. I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it was Matt Pyle. Anyway, he ran into Drew Locke in Colorado, and Locke, this was before the season, right before the year started uh, in, in last month, and he goes, I will start games for the Broncos again. That's what Drew Locke said. And sure enough, I mean, his premonition could prove correct. It seems like, though, if that body was buried, Chad, he's walking dead now. Drew Locke. I mean, he's full zombified, and we're having to deal with the corpse of Drew Locke. And I agree with what I think it was Kenny Patterson, the side comment said, and it was staggering to me to see how much, how quickly Locke has lost the respect of the locker room and his teammates. It seemed like the when he came into the game, everyone was like, "Okay, forget this. Let's go back. Let's go back on the bus. Let's get out of here. Let's go home. I don't want to play anymore." That wasn't happening in preseason. In that Vikings game, Locke had the full pulse of the locker room. He had the full control of the offense. It was night and day today. So that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. We have to just hope that. And I don't know how much we can hope with Pat Shermer that he has to hide what Locke does bad. But Chad, real quick. We talk about the interception that Locke threw at the end of the game. It was third and one from the four, three, whatever. Uh, The five. Whatever, you call a, a, a low percentage fade to Sutton, which I hate, I, and, and that's why, how Locke threw it. He was pressured off his back foot, yeah, but it still goes back to the play calling. There is no creativity in this offense, none whatsoever. If we're impressed because Pat Shermer schemed a way to get Tim Patrick open on a slant, as he did last week, that really speaks volumes to how minuscule our expectations are when it comes to Pat Shermer and the Broncos offense. Devin Taylor, what's good, buddy? Thank you for the super chat. Welcome. We appreciate you. Connect with us on Twitter. He says, how did they leave folks so wide open? Yeah, there was a lot of wide open Ravens today. Speaking of zombies, Zach, (laughs) uh, we got the Zombinator jumping in. Appreciate you. He says, another week, another wide receiver down. Deontay Spencer, I mean, look, it's not like you – celebrate anytime one of your players goes down. But in this case, if there is a silver lining to another receiver going down in the queen here, apropos, it's that it was not Cortland Sutton and that it was not Tim Patrick. 
It was not Noah Fant. It was not Alberto, for what it's worth. Let me say something. I feel bad for Deontay, and I hope his health improves. I hope, uh, what is it, concussion for Deontay? I'm not sure on that. I'm not positive. Well, whatever he has, I hope it gets better. But let me just say this. He has no business being out there as a receiver. He's a punt returner strictly. That's what he is, period. And this goes back once again to the Broncos trading Trinity Benson for a measly fifth round and seventh round draft pick, I believe it was. You had a burner. You had a guy making plays left and right. And now you're seeing what happens when you you go through the season, the war of attrition. They lost Judy. They lost Hamler. They lost Deontay Spencer, and by the end of the game, Drew Locke, not Teddy Bridgewater, was throwing passes to Hall of Famer Kendall Hinton. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs when it, and it reaches that level of the depth chart. Fig again. Thanks, bro. Pookie is a beast. Melvin ran great. On to next week. And then David Wilder, also thank you for the stars, David. Good description of today's debacle, Zach. Yeah, I mean, guys, one thing to keep in mind here, all right, is this only goes to make you scratch your chin on Pat Shermer's play-calling decisions all the more. Melvin, he was averaging north of five yards per carry. Pookie was was almost averaging seven. In fact, I'll just say seven. Seven uh, carries, 48 (laughs) yards. Now, yes, Zach, that 48 yards was very much helped by his 31-yard romp where he was, you know, carrying dudes, but... Still, I mean, it's not like the Broncos' running game was being completely shut down by the Ravens, and yet when Drew Locke enters the game, you don't try to. In fact, I'm going to pull this up real quick, Zach. Real quick, um, I'm going to I'm going to grab the next comment real quick for you to uh, get started. Yeah, and then I'm going to pull this up because if I'm not mistaken, he went uh, pass, pass, pass. On, hold on, I'll grab that. You grab you grab Stu. I'm going to pull this up real what, quick. What am I reading right now? Stu Meat hopping in 99 Super. Thank you, Stu Meat. Ring, ring around the rosy. Lean in, got me dozing. Wrap her body up in two cups. Keep her cozy. Fire, I'm blowing like King Koopa. Yoshi murder, she wrote me with a purple emoji. Go Broncos. Was that a seance? <laughs> I'm t- I don't know what I just said. Did I just uh, I just bring out Bloody Mary? What is oh, that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say about that. Thank you, Stu, for that contribution. Stu, me, you to man. Thank you. <laughs> all right, so let me let me run this by you. All right, Drew Locke takes the field. Uh, 13 minutes, 21 seconds in the third quarter. It's a handoff to Melvin for six yards. You're in business. Then second down, Drew is sacked, minus six. Third down. Drew completes uh, to Noah for 11, moves the chains. You're like, all right, we got it cooking. New uh, set of downs. It's a throw incomplete to Noah. It's a throw to Okaway Bunam for 11, moving the chains again. All right. Drew, another throw. He's sacked by Bowser. And then on second and 18, another throw, but short pass to uh, Gordon for a screen, eight yards, and then another. So there was literally on... That first series when Drew enters the game, they handed it off on first down, went for six yards, followed by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven consecutive throws. Now, two of them were successful. You moved the chains on two of them. But do you not somewhat question that? I mean, a little bit. You got to go, come on now, Pat. It'd be one thing if the Ravens had completely stonewalled your rushing attack all day, but they hadn't, and they hadn't even on that possession melvin picked up six on first down like you're in business how about i mean i don't i don't have the numbers in front of me but noah fant made an impactful play he had a touchdown to open the game it didn't seem like he kind of faded away 
from the game plan toward in the second half. I, I don't understand why Pat Shermer tends to do that. A player achieves success and he goes away from him. Um, you have to wonder, though, even on third and one toward the end of the game. I know it's seconds left. It's You're playing for pride. Run the ball. You know, save your young quarterback. Save some embarrassment. Preserve some pride by by executing the one thing that you've done well consistently to in, in this season so far through four games, which is running the freaking ball. When you have a player like Javante Williams carrying defenders down the field, when you have a player like Melvin Gordon ripping off, what was it, five yards a carry? There's no excuse for it at all. It's just coaching incompetency, period. I didn't notice this. Sydney says, uh, court, uh, Cortland Sutton, rolling his eyes after Locke throws. The best receiver on the team hates this dude. What are you thinking? I mean, I agree with you that heads were down. We've already opined on that. You know, kind of everyone looking at the grass, no one really with their chin up. Let's go. Maybe I missed it, Zach. Was, did you notice Cortland Sutton rolling his eyes at Drew Locke? I didn't see him rolling his eyes, but I know when he missed that back shoulder fade and it just fell like two yards behind him or whatever, in front of him, whatever way he was positioned, it seemed like he was a little angry at that. It seemed like that's a throw that Teddy would make and Locke comes in and he's not feeding Cortland Sutton as he should be fed. We have to remember, though, as great as Sutton is and as as humble as he is for the most part, receivers are divas. They want the ball constantly, and when they don't get the ball, and when the ball's shorted to them, they're going to get angry. So uh, it is it is what it is. I mean, look, the television broadcast did a good job on that specific play of pointing out that Sutton wasn't even looking for the ball. Why? Right. I don't know. I mean, some kind of miscue communication-wise, but you you would think that the possibility on third down of it being a back shoulder, especially in the kind of coverage he was getting there. Why weren't you looking for it? And drew look, he was, you could tell drew was like, you know, he's gesticulating, telling him, get your head around, turn around, da, 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 whatever. And I think the pride in any grown man, when someone's jumping on him, your dander is going to go up a little bit. All right. It's going to, you're going to flare. You're going to feel that go into defensive posture or whatever. And maybe that gets fed or exacerbated, Zach, when it's the backup quarterback who, right. you know, you couldn't win the job. Why are you why are you hollering at me or whatever? But I didn't see that. I just saw Drew going like this, and then the the freaking television cut away. So I don't know if Sutton was rolling his eyes at Drew. I feel like when Locke came in the game, the entire Broncos offense took the posture of that GTA meme from CJ. It's like, oh crap, here we go again. That's this. It was the same type of tangible feeling uh, that was exuding from the Broncos players. Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and even before that, or it might have been after, but there was a quick slant that uh, Locke threw to Sutton. It just missed him. It was uh, in and out of his hands or just in front of him. Cortland Sutton didn't come back very motivated. He came back soaking or mad or rolling his eyes, whatever you know, uh, whatever you saw on film. I think Cortland exhibited it, it was not a good mental um, focus for the Broncos offense when Locke came into the game. It was anything but that, and it just careened from there off the tracks. One of our great supporters and superstars, Joshua Shadow, says the Ravens exploited all the weaknesses from the O-line missing its guards to the secondary. I may have rode the three-win start high because this one hurt. Guys, I predicted a win in this, all right? on the mile high round table, I predicted the Broncos would win this game. And I think that, you know, when, when you lose the starting quarterback, doesn't matter who the backup is. It, it's going to, 
there there will be a gut check moment. Now, in this particular case, neither the quarterback that relieved Teddy or the entire supporting cast ended up being equal to the opportunity of overcoming that kind of gut check. But it was a weird situation where your number one Q got knocked out of the game. So don't run, jump into conclusions quite yet. Okay. Because this was a ball game before Teddy left the game. And so as, as much as things had turned Zach, whatever that was halfway through the second quarter, when Bulls got put on skates and then they hit Hollywood Brown over the top, that turning point initially, it didn't feel like the Broncos, <clears throat> at least in the second quarter, were going to be able to turn that around. But if Teddy doesn't get hurt, we don't know that they don't wrap. They couldn't have maybe rallied in the second half. We, I mean, it's just one of those things. That's why just be careful, man, of jumping to conclusions and getting too caught up in one loss against a high quality opponent. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Broncos country rode that wave pretty hard. I mean, after the lack of success the last couple seasons, five win seasons, six win seasons, seven win seasons, then you win three games in a row. It's like, okay, maybe something is brewing here. Maybe it's a special year. Broncos country, I think, got a little overconfident. I think Broncos players got overconfident, Broncos coaches, and they were grounded back down in reality today. Um, I saw a comment that I agree with, though. I can't find it. Uh, but it was basically the same point I made. The team has to be prepared to play with both quarterbacks. I, I still cite the Mahomes-Matt Moore game. They won with Matt Moore from Mahomes. So if Teddy gets hurt, they should be able to win or at least compete with Drew Locke under center. But they look like they went like this completely. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this. And, and the game's over. We're 3-1. and one. We'll take it. And that's that. It's a loser, coward mentality. And it stems from the men on the sidelines, the coaching staff. Sad but true, right? <clears throat> we're talking about Metallica here. No, wait, no, we're talking about the Denver Broncos. Dad gummit. The Queen. Appreciate you, Christy. She <laughs> says, Why can't they figure out how to keep a helmet on Ted? I'm just wondering. Yeah. I mean, hairdo might have something to do with it, but like strap, like, you know, one extra whatever of tightness. Figure it out. It has to have. I mean, now it's like, I think they'll have some. Uh... Uh, precautions when he comes back from concussion protocol because maybe that contributed to it. Maybe if his helmet was on secure enough and tight enough, he could have absorbed that headshot. But that's it's just one of those things. It's a subplot to how bad today's game was. Put it that way. Uh, Casey Nickel, what's up, dude? Thank you, bro. He says, I'm looking forward to Kellen Moore being introduced as Denver's new head yes. coach yes. next season. We'll see, man. Still a little too early, in my opinion, oh, to man. even really have this on the brain. But Oh, man. Oh Zach, man, you would you, you would uh, you would approve? Yes. Let me just tell you why. Let me just paint the picture of the difference between Kellen Moore and Pat Shermer, of which there are many. You watch the Cowboys game today. They were facing they were eight point game late in the fourth quarter. They needed one yard on third and one to ice the game to run out the clock. What did they call? They didn't have an empty set. They didn't throw from shotgun. They had a Zeke option to Tony Pollard. They completely caught the Panthers defense, the number one rated rush defense, by the way, in the NFL, off guard. And for that matter as well, uh, there was another short yardage situation in the Panthers game. Joe Brady, the Panthers OC, he didn't run off the gut with uh, Chuba Hubbard. I want to call him Chuba. Or Royce Freeman, the Broncos' old favorite, they had a little end around to DJ Moore, caught the Cowboys' defense completely off guard. When you watch coaches like Brady, Kellen Moore, Greg Roman, even Eric Bieniemy, when you see their game planning, when you see the play calling, it is freaking night and day from anything, even the best, that Pat Shermer has to offer. He is the biggest detriment on this team 
far and away. Here's Dwayne Brown jumping in with a super chat. We appreciate that, Dwayne, and welcome. Stick around. Uh, connect with us on Twitter. He says, Shermer is simply an average OC. He needs to get better. We should be better versus Pittsburgh. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, he needs to get better, but, you know, it's one of those old dogs, new tricks things. I mean, we're not talking about like a rookie coach or relatively inexperienced. I mean, he's been a head coach twice. He's been an AP assistant coach of the year where all the stars aligned for him in Minnesota. He's been in the league coaching for two plus decades now. So waiting around for Pat Shermer to, uh, you know, get the message. Um, you're going to be waiting a minute, Zach. And then here's Mark Langley from fricking Georgia throwing down. Good to see you, bro. Appreciate you. He says, you're right, Zach. It was a perfect storm of hashtag dookie. <laughs> all hail green day. <laughs> Do you have the time? Right. We're all whining right now. That's what it was. Zach, you're the man and your honesty. Always a perfect storm. Love you, big guy. Hashtag love you, pod. You demand, Mark. Thank you, Mark. I, w- I want to just highlight the, you know, we're talking about Pat Shermer and uh, him being in the NFL for so long, Chad. You mentioned his accolades. I still think he won that because of that Case Keenum, you know, miracle in Minneapolis or whatever. But I want to highlight something Christie said here. Shermer's not getting better. He's been in the NFL a long time and has never been brilliant. He, that's the thing about him. He might say the same. He he will get worse, as he's proven, but he will never get better. Coaches suddenly don't start growing brains, Chad. The NFL stands for not for long for a reason, and there's a reason why he's been fired twice as a head coach. There's a reason why that he's been not able to stick around for a long tenure with any one team. I, and I still go back to them firing the Broncos, Rich Gangarello, and hiring Pat Shermer. I think that was one of the biggest blunders they have made in the last five years. Hey, I can't say it any better than that. We're about out of time, so we got to rapid fire these remaining superstars and the, and the uh, star supporters on Facebook, starting with Roy Fletcher. Thank you, Roy. He says, I know this was bad, but some positives here. We hold Lamar in check on the ground. Yeah, but at what cost? Held them to 24 points. Uh, with the time of possession they had, our defense showed up. Uh, our defense showed they were just drained. Well, yeah, that's definitely part of it, Roy. The Broncos couldn't stay on the field, and so the defense ended up, come second half, really being gassed out. But, you know, Lamar, yeah, look, he had a season-low rushing. He went uh, seven carries for 28 yards. You could celebrate that if not for the fact that he went 316 yards and a touchdown. Right passing right completing 27 or pardon 22 of 37 so it's one of those things where you know i get it he's an elite player zach he's such a dual threat that you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't more often than not uh but in this case i just don't think you can credit the broncos defense overall for literally anything positive today because yeah, they weren't complimented by the offense, and that's what really I think smacks the most for fans today is that you have a really talented defense that was stretched beyond its limits because the offense couldn't stay on the field. But, guys, let's not make too many excuses for a defense that was just not good today. No, but why couldn't they stay on the field, the offense? Because they weren't committed to employing the rushing attack. They weren't staying true to that. They weren't staying on schedule and leaning on two backs that are dragging defenders or averaging five yards a carry. 
And you know what? You talk about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, they shut him down. They stacked the box. He also lost uh, Alejandro Villanueva. You want to talk about injuries? That hurt his uh, his line play as well. They were starting Le'Veon freaking Bell for crying out loud at running back today. Imagine if they had J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards or Justice Hill. So, yeah, we can maybe look for a, a very, very, very muted silver lining in that they held the Ravens rushing attack, or at least Lamar Jackson in check. But like you mentioned, Chad, when they throw for over 300 and they connect on a long bomb touchdown like that, that's all they needed. That little lead, which they never relinquished, was all they needed considering how bad the Broncos' offense was and how overmatched Pat Shermer was. The Duchess, love you, Michaela. She says, we have issues. One, the coaching was a joke. Two, the O-line was embarrassed. Three, we need a difference maker at quarterback. Guys, I submit to you still that Teddy Bridgewater can and is that that difference maker. You, remember, he was knocked out of the game. He, he only got two out of four quarters. And I still submit to you that – I'll put it this way. On Drew, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions on is he a, a good enough backup for this team till I've seen him – practice for the week and let's see if he can come in and in relief having played with the ones or even if Teddy comes back next week like this is also a wake-up call for the offense to be like the, the supporting cast to go guys there can't be such a palpable shift in our intensity and our energy and our execution as a group when the quarterback changes like we need to remain consistent for both guys for both Teddy and right. Drew because it's the league disaster is going to strike Injury is going to happen, and we have to be prepared for it. Between the years, they weren't today. The, the Broncos and Pat Shermer, I'm, I'm figuring out, are the type of team where everything looks good when they're on script. But, you know, what did Mike Tyson say? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, and that's exactly what happened. They weren't punched in the mouth. They were roundhouse and uppercutted in the mouth today, and they had no response, nothing. They lay down and rolled over and died. Because that's the metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, of Pat Shermer, Vic Fangio, the Broncos coaching staff, and the Broncos players today. I've been saying it. it, The the Bridgewater injury was a demoralizing loss. Not having Reisner, not having Glasgow, not having seven starters out there today. But when you come out and just give up, and it's evident in the second half, there's no excuse for that. They had to at least put up a fight, and they had nothing to offer. Zero. Speaking of metal, M-E-T-A-L. I mean, I think these coaches need to be more metal. Like someone needs to slip a Slayer record into Vic Fangio's CD player in his car or something. Get this dude some energy. Get this dude like raging a little bit because... Never happened. Lake Placid, Vic Fangio, a.k.a. Lake Placid. Come on, man. Show some freaking energy. Show some uh, passion. Like, you know, get fired up. Holler at somebody. Bring some, some cashews to the equation. All right, Zach, one or two more, and we got to go. Adam, thank you, bro. He says, our two backs averaging six and seven yards per carry, yet they only had seven carries each going into the fourth quarter. We hardly had the ball in the third quarter because we were taking sacks on first down. Yes, definitely something that needs to be addressed in terms of coaching, failing to uh, put the players in the best position possible to succeed. And also, thank you, JM, for that super chat. Yeah, I, I think uh, we might have skipped a couple of uh, Christie's supers. I'm not, sh- I'm oh, not sure. Oh, let me go though. back. Let me go back and look. Let me uh, take uh, a couple. Qu- let me take a comment here while you do that. Uh, Buck Lau. Oh, yep, we did. New name. 
Appreciate you, Buck, chiming in, and welcome if this is your first time. He goes, Fangio and Shermer trying to get cute and throw the ball all day. Well, that's a Shermer problem because Fangio has given Shermer complete autonomy and complete control of the offense. Pat Shermer is the head coach of the offense because Vic Fangio is completely checked out. And that would work if the Broncos had a Kellen Moore as the OC. If they had a Greg Roman, I would be okay with that. But when your head coach of the offense is Pat freaking Shermer, and your head coach is a guy who's checked out, and an old, grizzled, curmudgeon passive, defensive guy, it's oil and water for what the current NFL demands. And we're seeing that come out today. We actually, I'm glad she mentioned that because we actually missed quite a few, not just from the Queen. Let's grab the Queens first. She had said, I'm just going to read them here because we're out of time. Uh, And thank you, Christy. She says, one loss, guys. Disappointing, yes, but let's just chill. Let them learn from this and hope for the best and hope the coaches get their heads out of their, you know. Thanks, guys. Well said. Well said. Perfectly said. Yeah. We echo that. If if there's any message that we would love to leave with you tonight, it's basically that. All right, guys? Uh, Hopefully that 3-0 start bought them some benefit of the doubt in in the mind's and hearts of Broncos country. All right. Um, All right, Zach, here's a couple more real quick. Uh, We missed from Mark. He says, what's up guys. I noticed the interior O-line is the weakest as of today's game. Doesn't matter what QB you have. If you don't have an O-line, it doesn't matter. Lock will start next week. Let's see what happens. Hashtag MHH. Love you guys. He could guys, he could start. And he said at the podium after the game that he's going to prepare like he is the starter that's cool. That's crucial. But let's hope that the supporting cast prepares as if he's going to be the starter, too. Let's hope we see a healthy dose of Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, and Mike Boone against the Steelers. Because if they drop him back to pass 40 times in a game that could have negative game script for Denver if they fall behind, it is not going to be a pretty day for Drew Locke. And two losses in a row and two demoralizing losses, that's where you start to say to yourself at 3-2, and two, maybe... This is not going to be the season we thought, and it's uh, the panic button is about to be pressed. Uh, Devin Taylor, appreciate you. He said earlier tonight, that offensive line was trash today, and the defense left people wide the F open. Way more, as far as complicity, than just luck. We agree. Uh, well said. Well said, Devin. Uh, Aaron Lynch, love you, bro. He says, also, losses happen. I've been around too long not to recognize that, but losses make good teams better for the following week. We kept Shermer for Locke. Then, no Locke. Coaching staff might be treading water. What, what's, what's your answer to that, uh, Zach? Well, you know, this is speculation, but they might have kept Shermer with the the intention of trading for someone like Teddy Bridgewater. That might have been their plan all along. I mean, I think when Drew Locke came into the game, Pat Shermer said, oh, crap, here we go again. Just like Cortland Sutton did, just like Noah Fanta, just like the Broncos offense did, they were getting used to Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's prowess. They were getting used to his level of play, his type of play, and Locke throws all of that off script. All of it. So uh, I I just think that's that was my thing. It was you kept the incumbents around because you had the incumbent quarterback around. But when you name Teddy the starter over Drew, all that goes out the window. And then you're left to devise game plans and plays for your new quarterback. And he can't even do that for someone like Teddy Bridgewater. It's it's really sad. We also got one here from uh, a few more we missed from Seth Harmon. Thank you again, Seth. Love you, buddy. He says 6.5 yards per carry and the Broncos abandoned the run game. I loved the defense keeping the offense in the game, 
They gave up big plays, but limited Lamar and the run game. I think, you know, considering maybe I've been a little too hard on the defense. It is the gut reaction, but they kept this within striking distance till about, I don't know, halfway through the third quarter. And the the offense just couldn't stay on the field. But guys, I can't give the defense too much credit for limiting Lamar Jackson to 28 yards when they gave up so many big plays through the air. Like we talked about earlier, it's hard to contain a quarterback like Lamar because you got to walk that razor's edge of figuring out how to pressure and contain all at once. It's not easy, but it felt like Zach on third down, they aired on the side of contain and that allowed Lamar. Exactly. And when they pressured him, Chad, they got to him. I don't understand Vic Fangio's, um, he has this aversion to blitzing. At times, it calls for it. It's not playing so much coverage. But in terms of the uh, the Ravens passing attack, whatever Lamar wanted, he had. First of all, they still can't cover a tight end. I'm so sick of seeing Kareem Jackson on a tight end. Mark Andrews killed them the entire game. But he was connecting down the field, not just to Brown, but to James Proche, Devin Duvernay. Every receiver, everyone he wanted, it was there for him. And that's a credit to Lamar Jackson and a, I don't know, an indictment on the Broncos defense. Isaiah, 1127, good to see you, brother. He says, and thank you, he says, the hit on Teddy was a penalty, but it doesn't change the fact that we couldn't move the ball at all today. Stay on the grind, Broncos country, hashtag MHH. Yeah, if, if it was. I mean, uh, upon further review, it was a helmet-to-helmet contact of the quarterback. <clears throat> it got missed. He got hurt. No one paid the price except for the Broncos. Zach, here's Najal Tav also jumping in. Thank you, brother. He says, brutal day, bros. Feel, uh, I feel like any confidence the Broncos gained in the first three weeks dissipated today. It did feel that way. I don't see the offensive play like this challenging the other AFC West teams. I hate saying it, but thoughts of the last five years are creeping in. And then last thing here, Zach, from uh, Shane Daniels saying, and thank you, Shane, bad coaching, uninspired play, and both QBs, uh, mostly garbage. Sutton looked lost out there. He did, man. He really did. But what's your notion to... What do you tell Broncos fans who are really right now trying to resist falling back into the posture of here we go again? On one hand, I don't blame you because this is what happens when you have a journeyman quarterback and this is what happens when you have a less than impressive coaching staff. So a lot of PTSD is kicking in from this loss, but it's still only one loss. And again, how they respond to this loss is going to tell us all we need to know, whether it's here we go again or whether it's a new day in Denver. What they do against Pittsburgh, how they come out next week, we'll know from the opening snap, Chad. We will read their intensity. We'll see what type of game plan they have, and we'll know how they come back from this. That's going to be the turning point here. But it's only one game. They're still 3-1, and one, and the Broncos went from never winning in September to winning three games in a row. There's still some positive to take out of that as far as I'm concerned. All right, a few more. I'm going to rapid fire here. Um, Rello saying, uh, lock on his practice prep this week. Quote, I'm going to go about it like I'm going to start this weekend in Pittsburgh. What's your reaction? Like we said earlier, bro, I hope that uh, he does approach it like he's going to start. And I, more importantly, I think in this case, I hope the rest of the guys yeah. participate like, hey, Drew Locke's going to start because, man, something those guys were just not on the same page. And I can't chalk it up purely, <clears throat> pardon me, to, oh, the sudden shift and it's the backup coming in. Like, there was just something more going on there. And then here's a, here's a <laughs> super chat from Mark. 
Bowles forgot to flush the toilet today. That's how bad his stench was. But overall, he just had a bad game, just like everybody else did. I hope Teddy is okay, but I like to see Locke get his mental game on for real. Hashtag my guys. Yeah, brother, for sure. Bowles, uh, I'm just about ready to start panicking. But similar to everything else we talked about today, I'm, I'm holding off for now. He was the one mainstay all last season and to you know one of the mainstays uh, to the point this season. And when the wheels fall off with Garrett Bowles, uh, that's a telltale that it's just one of those, again, perfect storm of crap. Period. Casey Nickel, also Zach, for the love of God, can we get away from injuries? Also, I don't fault Locke at all. However, look for a thunderous game from him if he has to start next week. Hey, I'm going to look, dude. Trust me, I'm going to look. I hope I find it from Drew if he does start. The Robot of Doom. We've got zombies. we got robots. I mean, we're in a sci-fi right now. He says, this loss hurt even more because I watched the game at a bar and I had the cutest waitress and I was too shy and sad. This is this is a guy that's, ha- you know, TMI right, right now, bro. Uh, we're hearing about Robot of Doom's uh, insecurities failing to hit on what he thought was a, a really cute waitress. But hey, dude, next time, bro. Urban, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Brown, Vic. Uh, Vic defensive game plan was horrible and Shermer clearly doesn't like Drew, but we can bounce back. I mean, clearly, what do you mean, dude? He went throw, 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 throw. Like, that's how I interpreted that is like Pat Shermer, I don't think really is a non-believer of Drew Locke, but at the same time, it's like, hey, dude, if you want to put him in the best position possible to succeed, present the plausible threat on a down and down out basis that you might actually hand it off to a running back. I hate empty sets. I hate the shotgun, you know, uh, three and four receivers. When you have two good running backs, you utilize them. You run them into the ground, literally and figuratively. Otherwise, what's the point? But again, it all goes back to coaching. And and those who've watched me for the last three, four, you know, five years, coaching, coaching, coaching. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter the opponent, the year. It makes all the difference in the world. You saw it on Baltimore's side today. The coaching made the difference, and you saw the coaching on Denver's side make the difference in a bad way. All right, a few more. Guys, thank you so much for all the super chats tonight. You guys are crushing it. We really appreciate you. Uh, JM says, Locke gave us hope on that big throw, but the holding call killed the comeback opportunity that we had. Locke played I The play calling was trash. Yeah, that uh, holding call, and, you know, it's up for debate. Was it a hold on bowls or not? They threw the flag, so... It is what it is. But yes, that moved the chains. You could tell that gave on third down, no less. You could tell that gave, you know, a new shot of life to everybody. And then you see the yellow laundry and you're like, is this 2019 again? Uh, Stu Meat says, Zach, you nailed it. Wayne verse on Waukesha from Moneybag. Yo, (laughs) here, more money. Thank you, brother. Um, And then Big A Little A RON says, is Teddy a championship winning quarterback? Is Drew a championship-winning quarterback? Is this really a hill you want to die on, Broncos country? Both camps, please calm down. I love you all, but cool your jets. Zach, people kind of jump into the conclusions maybe a little too quickly. A little. And and if the Broncos beat the Steelers next week, no one's going to be talking about this game. That's just how the NFL goes. But we have to sit on this, and we have to, you know, it's like we have to live with the, the stink. The, the fart is hanging... <laughs> In the car, and we can't put the windows down for a couple days. That's we're that's in between. How... We're in between Colorado Springs and Denver, and someone just farted, man. What do and you the, do? And the windows are up. Windows are busted. To, we have to live with it. You're going 85. <laughs> you know, charge it to the game. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, one more, I think, snuck in here. We, You know how we do on this show, guys. We really strive not to leave any of our Super Chat superstars or star senders out in the cold. Every once in a while, uh, one slips through that we miss here and there. Um, but, Zach, the robot of doom provides the final update. Quote, also, I did not get the cute waitress's number. I got two massive L's today, guys. Pittsburgh will be tough, but Big Ben isn't Big Ben. Bounce back time. Guys, there's going to be plenty of uh, episodes this week to talk about Pittsburgh. Uh, for now, Zach, <laughs> I am going to uh, <laughs> poop and fart you. That's us, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be us. fart. You can be poop. All right. <laughs> I think we've uh, worn out our welcome this evening. Uh <laughs> If you'll you'll go through the rundown, I'll pull up how we finished (laughs) on stars and shout out all our great supporters on Facebook. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for tuning in with us. I know it wasn't the best occasion. I know it was a very demoralizing, depressing Broncos loss, but we are so appreciative. You guys can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us and we love you for that. Be sure in the meantime to follow the Huddle Up Pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, transactions, film breakdowns, and so much more at Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't, go to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a dad hat. Get yourself a trucker hat, et cetera, et cetera. More stuff coming. We appreciate your patronage. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Big blue button. Become a supporter. Three exclusive shows. We have Broncos Book Club, like Chad mentioned, Trickle Zone, and Kelberman's Corner. We were off today because I was under the weather, but rest assured that's coming back next weekend. We appreciate you guys uh, checking those shows out. Also, facebook.com slash Mile ahead of pod, like that page. And if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you can't do any of those things, we love you. We appreciate you. We respect you. Just do these three things to take a few seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Shout out to these awesome facebook stars and by the way guys on nights like this evening is when it is the most apparent that Streamyard needs to get their you know what together on figuring out how to flash in the same way they do super chats for us star comments on facebook because everything's coming so hot and heavy and when we don't and today we're also down on um our producer so just know we love you guys. Thank you for the support. We weren't able to spend as much time with Facebook tonight as we would normally, but we'll make that up to you tomorrow. Trust. And we'll do the uh, drawing for the jerseys on Facebook and YouTube. It's going to be a gas, but here's who's really rocketing into the charts. Zach for uh, the Patrick Sertan Jersey that we're going to raffle off at the end of this month. Randy Jones at the top. Thank you, brother. Joshua shadow. Love you. Michael Ronquillo. Love you. David Wilder. Love all you guys. Andrew Baker, Claude Riley, Colby C. Collier, uh, Travis Weber and Steve Lazuski. Appreciate each and every one of you. But it is time for us to go. We got a lot to go uh, to do still to cover this game, written content, videos, things that have to happen. So thanks for spending time with us. And, and Zach, I'll let you sign us off, as is our tradition. Yes, guys, we'll be back tomorrow night, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern, for more reaction to the Broncos. Uh, I would say almost no show against the Ravens today. In the meantime, guys, take care. And as always, Go Broncos. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 